What's going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Sunday afternoon after the Los Angeles Clippers make it four in a row at home this week, seven in a row total. Things are looking good, Clipper Nation, except for the man that writes a review that destroys the podcast. We're going to go into that in just a second, but before we do that, we got to have some cheeriness to start this podcast. Of course, I'm Brandon Marcus, your host alongside my co-host, Matt Mattawarren, back with me on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? I'm doing great. I'm on seventh heaven. I'm on the seven fish feast. Uh, I'm seven, like the name George Costanza wanted to name his kids. Seven in a row, baby. I'm feeling good. Listen, you're feeling good. You know who's not feeling good? The Mm -hmm. random guy. And we'll start off this podcast with how we usually end it. And I always want to say to people, if you can give us a five-star rating, if you can review the podcast, it obviously helps. The more ratings you get, the more reviews you get, the more likely it is for a podcast to show up in somebody's feed when they're looking. And of course, these are two guys that love the Clippers. We've been Clippers fans for a long time. If you're just joining us, Matt's been a Clippers fan since days back in the sports arena. I've been a Clippers fan since about 2000, 2001. Um, and we've been talking Clippers pretty honestly on this podcast, but some guy decided to write a review and this came on November 1st, 2023. And his name is, they won't even let me. And he titled it two vampire guys. So first of all, apparently we're vampires, Matt, which means (laughs) that, uh, we're sleeping, uh, during the day, but that's can't be possible because here we are recording this podcast at one 15 in the afternoon. And, the comment was Russell Westbrook, first of all, spelled Russell wrong. So, so such a big Russell Westbrook fan that he spelled Russell's first name wrong. R-U-S-S-E-L. Russell Westbrook is a cancer to locker rooms, said no player he's ever played with. But somehow, some guys on a podcast pushed the narrative anyway. Okay, first of all, we never said Russell Westbrook was a cancer to the locker room. We just said that he didn't fit as well as somebody like James Harden, and that he's not the player he was before. And it's worth noting, I do want to bring this up, Matt. Have you seen the Russell Westbrook stands on Twitter are not the nicest people in the world? And if you're listening to this podcast and you're a Russell Westbrook stand, I like you. I want to be friends with you. But don't be mean. There's no reason to be. We like Russell Westbrook. We want Russell Westbrook to succeed. There's no Clipper fan that wants Russell Westbrook to fail. And Russell Westbrook has become the perfect part of this bench unit. He's a guy that's playing 15 to 20 minutes, and when he needs to provide energy, he does. And last year, he was tremendous in the postseason when he needed to carry the load with Kawhi Hurt and with PG Hurt. He was tremendous. And there's nothing that's been said on this podcast that's said anything about him being a cancer to a locker room. We mentioned that he is probably on his, what, fifth team in five years or something like that, and that certainly teams wanted to get rid of him. But he's bought in here with the Clippers and with Ty Lue. So that's what I have to say about that. Matt, what are your thoughts on this very mean comment that dropped our review total from 5.0 to 4.8? So curse you, they won't even let me. I can I can understand being confused for a vampire given my skin complexion, but that's probably about it. Um, I'm just very pale. I do love garlic, though. I'm up here in after the noon, as you mentioned uh, but what I would like to say is I think we've we've been nothing but effusive in our praise for Russell Westbrook's off-the-court presence, if anything, 
this season. I mean, I remember during even during media day, I called him the heart of the team. He was talking about family and becoming friends with all the guys and sort of uh, the bond that they had, especially because they had a training camp together and they just had all of last season. Yes, we were dubious of Russell Westbrook coming over at first because we didn't see how it was going to fit. Yes, we were dubious of him starting this season. And look, he's not starting now, and the Clippers have just won seven in a row, and he's still playing a role. He is the first guy off the bench cheering when anybody does anything uh, of, of any importance or of anything of non-importance. I just think it's kind of a ridiculous stance. Calling him a cancer in the locker room, we wouldn't do that. We didn't do that. But um, thank you for the terrible review. And if you see me, yes, pale skin, dark hair. I can see the vampire comparison in that regard, but otherwise... I don't get it. Yeah, not kind. And we're not going to start off this show completely negative because I am going to go ahead and read three very nice reviews before we get to the meat of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Rick Stees, June 25th, 2023. And like I said, if you do leave a review on this podcast, we will read it at some point. It may take six months, but we will read it. And Rick Stees said, Brandon has a great ability to lead the conversation in a way that's easy to follow, even for someone that isn't an NBA diehard. Eh, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm not NBA diehard, NBA love, though. The report between Brandon and Matt's really great, and I love hearing them disagree, since we get to hear a deeper dive on both perspectives. Matt's take as a super fan adds an emotional quality to the show that I'm really into. We'll definitely keep listening. Thank you, Rick Stees. Thank you, Rick Stees. And then we have Tina AVU. My go-to podcast for Clippers update and highlights. Listening to Matt's and Brandon's enthusiastic and insightful coverage really makes my traffic commute go by fast. I hope you get very few traffic concerns going forward, Tina AVU. Hope you have no traffic tomorrow. And then Kitsy33. These guys are a thrill to listen to and get me so pumped to watch the next game. Brandon and Matt should be coaching. I'm going to disagree with you there. I don't want yeah, to the, be a coach. That that part at the end, perhaps I can disagree with, but thank you for the kind words to to all three of those, of those listeners. That is awesome. Thank you. All right. So now that we've uh, promoted reviewing the podcast and give us a five-star rating. Let's get into the meat of the podcast and let's get straight into it. Seven wins in a row. And I got to tell you something, Matt, we've been very optimistic in the last couple of weeks and we have made a point to be very optimistic. We've pointed out some things here and there that looked a little bit concerning. Um, We talked about PJ Tucker, I believe on the last podcast, since we hadn't really talked about him much and no reason to bring that up again, since he really is not part of the rotation. But I got to tell you, man, I'm getting vibes from this team that the way they're playing right now, and I'm saying right now, that is with everybody healthy, glad to see PG back yesterday, I truly believe this is a team that can compete for the title. With the way they're playing and with the rotation that they're dealing with and how everybody seems to have a role, and what's interesting about that, everybody seems to have a role, is that that was very similar to before the trade, where Rocco Batum, everybody seemed to fit really well. It seems like now this team fits really well. They've discovered whether where they're good, what they are good at, and this team I think has a chance to compete for the title. Agree or disagree? Completely agree. It does seem that everybody has a role, and everybody is playing within that role. And it, and I'm sure, and I know we'll get into it, but it starts from the top, and by the top. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, when he's playing like this, it makes it a lot easier for everybody else to thrive in their role because they have the safety blanket, the binky that is Kawhi Leonard. Um, They are looking like a legit championship contender at this point. All right. You mentioned Kawhi. Dude, this guy has been 
out of this world. And Adam Osland has been mentioning some stuff on Twitter about how well he has been playing. And it is silly. So since that Denver game, where obviously the Clippers were god-awful, Kawhi is 60-60-90. And you've been pushing this 50-40-90 on Twitter, and you've been keeping track of it. And it really seems like the Clippers have been, during this uh, seven-game win streak, have been pushing those 50-40-90 totals, which means 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. Kawhi's Mm -hmm. 62.5, 59.5, and 89.8. He is playing out of this world. They've won eight of nine during that nine-game stretch. He's playing 36 minutes a game, which is a lot. But listen, finally, the numbers were able to go down a little bit yesterday because of the blowout. His three-pointers... He's attempting close to five a game and making close to three. He's shooting 59.5% from three-point range. This guy looks very much like the Kawhi Leonard that is the dude that won a title. He is getting back to the level that he is capable of, and that's why I believe the Clippers can win a title and contend. Because if he's playing this well and you supplement him with PG and Harden, and Zoo, and Mann, and Powell, and Westbrook, this team can go places. So, yeah, uh, man, Kawhi has been special. Unbelievable, and it's it's all about sustainability. Just to go back to the 50-40-90 narrative, which I just think as a team, you know, as, as an individual, it's crazy, but as a team, over those last seven games the, on this winning streak, and, of course, Kawhi's numbers help with this, the Clippers are shooting 51% from the field, 40% from three and 85 from the line. So that is darn close to a 50, 40, 90 for an entire squad. Now that's pretty crazy. Um, with Kawhi, he seems to have gotten over if there was any lingering stuff from the meniscus uh, surgery that he had. Perhaps that's why he started off slow. Plus rotations were in flux. But the way he's playing now, it is it is that the beginning of that Phoenix series last year where it's like, whoa. Like this, this is Kawhi. This is vintage Kawhi. This is the guy that can take a team to the finals, and and we've definitely been seeing that as of late. And you're right with the surrounding cast of Paul George, Zoo, and now especially James Harden. It's going to be about sustainability because you know we already saw Paul George miss just a small amount of time, and I think that was actually the right move to sit him out that next game just to get him back to where he needs to be. But can Harden, you know, maintain this? I know. He he started off last year on Philly at a, at a kind of a high level, sort of dipped as the season progressed, um, especially towards the end. Can the guys stay healthy? Can Kawhi maintain this level while playing so many games? So sustainability is going to be key. But right now, I mean, of course they don't. But if the playoffs started today, this team would be super dangerous. And if we can, the Clippers can maintain this sort of chemistry and Kawhi can maintain this level of play. We can maintain this level of health. There is no telling what the ceiling is. Well, there is telling. It's the championship. Yeah, no doubt. And and he's getting to his spots. He's been deadly from three. I think that's one thing that we're seeing that we didn't see as much last year is him shooting the three. Go ahead. I was just going to, I mean, I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, the threes are crazy. I mean, he's a sniper from downtown right now. Yeah. And just to add to your point about James Harden and you and I have talked about how we do listen to the Bill Simmons podcast and he had Doc Rivers on and Doc discussed the second half of last year and said that once James Harden didn't make the all-star team, he really just fell off a cliff. 
And so perhaps that was why he struggled in the second half. You do have to take some things that Doc says with a, with a grain of salt because he is a coach that no longer is coaching that team. And he has said some things about the Clippers in the past, and he has said some things about James Harden that, who knows if it's completely true. It's his perspective, and like my mother likes to say, there is one person's point of view, the other person's point of view, and the truth. And so it's got to be somewhere else. Um, And with James Harden, it really brings me back to Russell Westbrook, and I'm glad we started the podcast with Russell Westbrook because here's the thing with Russ. There was a lot of concern from these two guys on this podcast but how he would fit and how he is a guy that is me, me, me. This is going to be me. I need to play big minutes. I need to put up my shots. But he showed very quickly that he was willing to buy in and acclimate the way he needed to and play a role in this team and win games and do whatever it took to win games. And it feels like James Harden is doing the exact same thing. So props to Ty Lue. I've come on this podcast before and I've criticized some plays at the end of the game. I've criticized certain players that have come in and certain minutes that have gone to players that shouldn't have gotten those minutes. But again, like I said in the last podcast, that's about balancing personalities. So I understand that. So it, it need to be done. Doesn't make it less frustrating, but it does need to be done. So I want to give credit to Ty Lue because he did it with Russell Westbrook. And now it seems like he's figured out a way to unlock James Harden. And in the process, he's unlocking Zoo, who struggled initially with Harden because that pick and roll now is incredibly dangerous. So with Kawhi playing well, and then with Harden buying in to what he needs to do to facilitate this offense, and then go, go, go when he needs to, and his role with Zoo makes this team so good on so many different levels in how they can attack you. And props to Ty Lue as well for just kind of sticking to what he said in, in two regards. One, saying, you know, is there a, what's the hierarchy? Kawhi Leonard is our best player. He's the number one. That's it. Period. Point blank. That's it. And that's proven to be true. And he also said, you know, this is when Harden came over. He said, give, give me 10 games. Let's let's see how this progresses. I'm not it's not going to happen overnight, which we all knew. And, you know, it's obviously more than 10 games later, but the results have turned into something very, very positive as the Clippers sit at 15 and 10 now, having won seven straight. So, yeah, good on you, Ty Lue, for, for kind of just, you know, the Clippers always aren't always forthright. We know that. But in that in that regard, he, he sort of put his money where his mouth was. No doubt. And listen, the Clippers all of a sudden are sitting in sixth place. As we record this podcast, they're 15 and 10. They're four and a half games back of Minnesota for number one in the Western Conference, which is crazy that Minnesota is leading the West. But what's crazier is the Clippers are a game and a half behind the two seed. And there was a point where we're like, all right, most likely the Clippers will end up between that seven to 10 the way they're playing. But the Clippers have gone on this winning streak and you win games like this and you vault up the standings and the Clippers have beaten good teams during this streak. We said that the Warriors game is going to be tough because you knew the Warriors were a team that had a lot in their arsenal, that Steph could go off on a given night, but no Draymond certainly showed that they're not as good as the Clippers. And then, thank goodness that game last night was not at 1 p.m. because who knows how the Clippers would have done if it was at 1. Instead, it's a night game, and the Clippers just absolutely pushed the pedal to that gas. 77 points in the first half, 30 free throw attempts. I believe that's a record for most free throws in a half this season. And it's just amazing what they were able to do against two teams 
that most likely will be either in the playoff picture or right there. So two good wins since we last talked against the Warriors, an eight-point win, and a 22-point win against the Knicks. And two wins that we said they needed to have. We said you could very easily go 4-0 in this homestand before you face a very difficult road trip that starts against Indiana tomorrow. So what the Clippers did this homestand is very impressive, and even more impressive was last night's win, Matt. Loved last night's win, and you know, when you win by 22 points, it makes sense uh, that the plus minuses will be pretty outrageous, but we're talking about this starting five and just how effective they've been, and if you look at the plus minus against the Knicks yesterday, you know, PG's plus 26, Kawhi's plus 15, Zoo is 29, 22 for Harden, and plus 19 for Team Man. That's all of the starting five in double digits, Zoo approaching 30 in the plus minus category. So they just did a number on the Knicks last night, which, like you said, they close out that homestand. Thank goodness it was at night. There's an afternoon game coming up against a road afternoon game coming up against the Celtics in a few that should be very difficult but this one against the knicks huge and then to beat the warriors yes no draymond green but the warriors made a push they they started this comeback trail and it was another one of those uh-oh here we it was, a, it, was it was gonna be a here we go again moment but the clippers staved them off um and the homestand was amazing what a way to start a road trip because now you go to you go in some confidence you go in with a bunch of continuity and like i said if we can sustain this efficiency and this pace and the defensive intensity, uh, absolutely, with Norm Powell being a dynamo off the bench, Amir Coffey getting a start. I mean, everything everything looked very, very positive for the Clippers on this homestand, and especially in these last two wins. No doubt. And by the way, Andrew Greif said the 30 free throws attempted by the Clippers in that first half yesterday, the most any team has attempted in the first half. Teams have shot 30-plus five times in second halves, and you're going to see that number go up because sometimes there's fouls at the end of the games. So very different from a first half to a second half. So it shows how aggressive the Clippers were and how tough they were to defend. So good can I, work. Can I speak to that real quick? Or can yeah. I ask you a question about that? For the, the You said 30 free throws in the first half against the Knicks. Yeah. And the Clippers ended with 34? So only had four in the second half? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's huh. what happens when all of a sudden it's not as aggressive and a team has sure. probably yelled at in the locker rooms to stop fouling. I'm guessing Tibbs laid into them at the half. So either way, it's, it's ten, things tend to equal out. I'm sure the referees saw that at halftime as well, um, and they were probably going to be a little less kind on the whistle to the Clippers, but it really didn't matter because the Clippers were throttling them. Um, I want to talk about Amir Coffee in a second, but you and I, mentioned this tweet a couple of weeks ago from Kevin O'Connor. It was November 27th, and we were talking about, this is when the Clippers really looked concerning on offense. And remember when we talked about how Harden had attempted only 12% of his shots inside of the restricted area, which was a career low, and you looked before that, and you saw that 21% last year, 28% the year before that, 29%. So he started to decline from two years ago, 28%, to last year, 21%. And this year, 12%. we said, all right, is that concerning? And we were certainly a little bit concerned. But we said, listen, we still got to give this team a chance to figure things out and see what Harden is good at and how he's going to work with this offense. Well, since that tweet, he's taking close to 24% of his shots in the restricted area, which is higher than last year and is back to where we would expect him to be. So... Also, he's making close to 60% of those shots. This was two days ago, by the way, so I don't know if that number's gone up, which is about 48% prior. So 48% to 59%. So he's making his shots. He's getting 
into the restricted area. So I just wanted to mention that with James Harden that I know we discussed it previously. And so we are always honest with what we say on this podcast. And so I did want to bring that up again, that as Ty Lewis figured things out, and again, we bring up Ty Lue, James Harden has figured out where he fits in this offense along with Zoo. They've got comfortable together. And because of that pick and roll and with his ability to just do what he can and do what he does, he's turned into the player that we expected him to be, which is good to see. And we shouldn't overlook, and I, yeah, absolutely. That's, I'm so happy you brought up that tweet because it was a little concerning. There was a whole graph of of how it kind of fell off a cliff, Harden's attempts in the paint. And you look at you look at his last couple of games, and I'll I'll focus on the Warriors game first, which was just a Harden coming out party. I mean, 28, 15, yeah. seven rebounds, four blocks, but he got to the line 12 times and hit 11 of them. And he got to the line seven times against the Knicks last night. So it just goes to show you he is getting into the paint. He's never going to be the free throw dynamo that he was because he doesn't get those same calls. But if he does, I mean, from like three, but if he does get into the lane, yes, he is going to get to the line. He missed two of them last night, five of seven. But that's going to help with that efficiency that I am just dead set stuck on. I mean, I'm going to be on this 50, 40, 90 thing. It might be 50, 40, 80 at the end of it all, but I'm going to be on this thing for the entire season. But him getting to the line that often, I just think is huge because it, 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 it just goes to show his aggressiveness, which we said, you know, maybe he was lacking at first and now, but he's, and he's also diming though, right? He goes to the line that many times, 12, the other night is 15 assists. Uh, he goes to the line seven times last night as 12 assists, so he is really, really balancing his offensive uh, attacks. Yeah, and listen, you you mentioned getting to the free throw line is good, but the simplest reason why getting the free throw line is good is because you get points on a possession, and with how good he shoots free throws, you'll certainly take that. I mean, that you want points every time you get the trip down the floor, and with Harden as good as he is at the free throw line, yeah, he missed a couple yesterday, you'll take that. It's free points. And in that first half against Golden State, he had 18 points, five rebounds, nine assists, a couple of blocks, and he shot 60%. I mean, he was tremendous in that first half. And what we saw was he had really active hands. Like, listen, people have talked about Harden's defense, and he will certainly be that Olay guy at times when he's facing a fast guard and he has to defend him at the top of the key, he'll get blown by. Like, that'll happen. Harden's older, he's just not as quick as some of these guards like De'Aaron Fox, for example. But one thing that he does that I'm not sure I was expecting is his effort level on the defensive end is really high. He makes up for it with active hands. I mean, you talked about getting steals, and Robert Covington was a guy that always got his hands in the passing lanes and got strips. He was all over it in that game against Golden State. And you could call it a steal, you could call it a block, whatever you want, when he's able to slap down on the ball when a guy's starting to go up. And frankly, that could be a steal. It could also be a block. It's called a block, technically, which is why his block total was so high. But it's active hands I didn't expect to see. And with his ability to do that, along with what we know from PG and Kawhi and T-Man and Zoo on defense... It raises the defensive level of this team even higher as well. So if this team is solid defensively, along with out, this outstanding offense, another reason why they have a chance to be a title contender and why we're seeing it right now. So Harden's defense is something that I don't think I was expecting, but really good to see over the last couple of games. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of like he's turned into Dorn from... Uh from Major League, Corbin Burnson's character. Because if you remember, they had a Coach Lou as well. And he <laughs> said, what is this Olay blank when uh, he would just kind of miss grounders? And maybe that's what our Coach Lou 
said to Harden, and now he's just getting in front of people and not doing this Olay stuff. So I think that might be something. You might have something there. So does that mean that we're going to have to put a poster in the locker room of the of Steve Ballmer and just rip off pieces of Ballmer until uh, we get him in a bathing suit or something like that, since that's what they did in a major league? Is that what you're trying to say, Matt? It, you know, you read my mind. That is exactly what I'm trying to say. For those of you that did not see Major League, the uh, the owner is someone that they didn't like. So this is very different in terms of everybody loves Ballmer. But they had a picture of her in uh, very little clothing. And so they would t- rip off piece after piece after piece every time they got a win until they clinched a playoff spot. And so that's what they did. And obviously, there you go. I've ruined part of the movie for you. But congratulations if you're not if you haven't seen it. It's been out for, I don't know, 30 years or so. So anyways, um, yes, James Harden. Tremendous. No doubt about it. You brought up Amir Coffey earlier. He got the start in that game against the Warriors with Paul George out. And I got to tell you, another W for the Clippers and their personnel in the front office and the coaching staff sitting Paul George. No reason to play him in that ball game. Give him a couple days rest. I know Ty said he could have come in in the second half um, in that game on Tuesday, uh, I believe it was. And he said he could have played, but the Clippers were smart, didn't play him in the second half, and gave him that rest that he needed against the Warriors. And Amir came in, and he was tremendous. And it just harbors back to a couple years ago when Amir Coffey was that dude. And he has shown the ability to shoot threes, not be afraid to take threes, his length is great defensively, gets rebounds, so a great Amir Coffey game and well-deserved part of being the rotation last night as well instead of Kobe Brown. So tip my cap to Amir Coffey in that game. Yeah, Amir Coffey was great. It's, it's a testament to, and Jim Jackson talked about this on the broadcast, to stay ready, right? Like he's He was just ready to go, and he's obviously got the skills to to fill in when when one of our one of our main guys goes down. I thought... And I agree with you when we both said this. I thought sitting Paul George out that next game with, they were calling it hip soreness at that point, but it made sense. No reason to push it. You know, you you don't want it to turn into something, um, just something that'll affect the Clippers down the road. So, so I, I totally agree with you. And it was just great to see Amir Coffee out there. He shot with confidence. Uh, he played defense with confidence. He had, he, you know, he had a big twenty nine minute game out there, plus five. But he was he was contributing across the board. Uh, he took 11 threes, but I think that's because he found himself open so often. So uh, great performance by coffee. We'll talk a little bit about mere coffee, but first let's take a break. All right. So listen, when you can fill in for a guy like Paul George and your team doesn't skip a beat, that says a lot about you. And for Amir coffee, it really goes back to what we saw with guys like Reggie Jackson when they would sit for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden when their number was called, they thrived. And for Amir Coffey in that game against the Warriors, he did not look like a guy that had been sitting for the majority of the season. I mean, for him to come in and play close to 30 minutes and put up 15 shots, it says a lot about him for his ability to just fit right in and not be afraid of the moment. And I think that's the biggest thing is that With the Clippers, you're going to be able to generate so many good open looks for guys that aren't PG and Kawhi because the attention is on those dudes, and those guys cannot be afraid to take their shot. And we've seen previously that Terrence Mann has struggled from three. No doubt about that. You look at the Golden State game, 0 for 4 from three, 1 for 5 overall. I mean, he's a guy that is lacking confidence at the moment, um, but when it's there, 
he's huge. I mean, he had a couple of threes last night, four of eight from the field, two of four from three. He needed those desperately to go down, but he's not a guy that is shooting them at as high of a clip from downtown as you would like. So for Amir Coffey to come in and pick up that slack, because listen, if Amir Coffey struggled in that game, no Amir Coffey and no Terrence Mann offensively in terms of what they're contributing, then you're really looking at Norm, PG, and Kawhi. And it's a lot to put on three dudes, but you need that fourth piece, and the Clippers got that. So really impressive by Amir. And whenever you can have guys that may not be a part of the rotation, but when their name is called, they're ready to go, says a lot about how the program is run. So the Clippers are doing a great job from top to bottom. And it says a lot about the player and their ability to buy into what's going on and what the team's goal is. And the team's goal is to win a title. And everyone knows they've got a role. And when their name is called, they'll be ready. And that's exactly what happened with Amir Coffee. So I'm really impressed by the job that he did and his ability to just jump straight in. So impressed. And I've just been percolating this whole time you've been talking to say how jealous I am of all of Brian Seaman's coffee puns mm-hmm. that he throws out on the broadcast. Every single one is just awesome. By the way, a hat tip to uh, our friend on the radio as well. Carlo is doing a fantastic job. Got a chance to listen to him yesterday uh, on my drive home from Long Beach since I broadcast the UC Irvine women's game at Long Beach State. And really nice job done by Carlo. Um, If you haven't gotten a chance to listen on the radio, listen, Noah Eagle, tremendous dude. Like he not only is he a great broadcaster, a great person as well, but Carlo has really taken that baton and ran with it. It is not easy to follow in the footsteps of Brian Seaman. And Noah Eagle did that very successfully. It is not easy to follow in the steps of Noah Eagle, who will be broadcasting the Super Bowl this year for Nickelodeon and is on NBA broadcast for the Brooklyn Nets and was doing the number one versus the number three team in the nation in college basketball yesterday for NBC and Peacock. I mean, it's not easy to replace that guy. And Carlo, who just left USC, has been tremendous. So a, a really nice work by Carlo thus far, and I just wanted to shout him out. Yeah, here, here. Great job by Carlo. I mean, it. yeah, he is following in the footsteps of some greats and just kind of picking up the mantle, you know, fabulously. All right, so let's talk a little bit about PG because we've talked about Kawhi and what he's done. We've talked about James Harden. We've talked a little bit about Team Man and Coffee. Um, last night, I got to tell you, I don't know if I've ever seen a dude that can miss time and then come back and act like nothing has ever been wrong. We have seen this time and time again with Paul George, where he has been hurt, come back, and shown no ill effects of whatever he was dealing with. For him to go 11 of 18 and be that efficient last night and to contribute all across the board with seven assists, a couple of steals, he was active defensively. It's something that I don't know I've seen in a long time, and if he's able to do that, because we know that he and Kawhi are going to miss games this season. They're just going to. Um, for him to be able to do that, I got to tell you, I didn't expect it. And it's something that raises a level even higher for the Clippers. That really seems to be the theme of this podcast. This team can win a title. And there are numerous reasons why. We've brought up a bunch of them. But for a guy to miss a game, and then for him, he's missed several games before and come back and look the same, that allows your team to just continue to click and continue the momentum, which is something that's difficult to do, Matt, and is very impressive. He's got an uncanny way of coming back and playing. Yeah, like nothing has happened. And I think I think a lot of that has to do with 
sort of it's not so it's not necessarily game management like people always call it or maybe he doesn't want to play every game like i think paul george wants to play every game but he's smart enough at this point in his, in his career to know i need to come back when i'm 100 percent. because how many times has he said you know i could have come back or i don't want to but i don't want to push it or i mean that that seems to be the narrative every time he gets hurt uh be it a hamstring be it a, the groin and the hip this time and i th- i think now more than ever, probably with Paul George and Kawhi, T. Lou and the training staff and everybody kind of understands when these guys come back, they have to be 100 percent. Otherwise, there'll be recidivism. They'll just get hurt again uh, or hurt something else while compensating for, you know, a, an injury that may not be 100 percent healed. So coming back and just being fully healthy and, and more importantly, fully confident in your body, I think, is the key to Paul George, and if, you know, Kawhi, because he's not going to play all 82 games, but these guys coming back have to be confident in their ability and confident in their body in order to play uh, with extreme efficiency and to the level that we expect. Yeah, no doubt. So another hat tip uh, this time to Paul George. And the last one I want to talk about is Zoo and what he has done. Um, I think it's worth just mentioning that Norm Powell continues to be so consistent. I mean, whatever you ask of this guy off the bench, he just fits so well. 16 points in that game last night. The game before that against the Warriors, he had 21. He's shooting really efficiently, which is important. He was 6 of 10 against the Knicks last night, 9 of 13 against the Warriors. If he's able to shoot that efficiently, that helps the bench unit so much. And what's interesting is everyone seems to mention that if the Clippers need to make a trade, probably needs to be Norm in it. And back to how we started this podcast. And so forget Zoo for a second. Back to how we started this podcast in terms of how every piece fits. You take away Norm Powell, you take away a massive part of the scoring off the bench and a guy that can spread the floor. And I don't think anybody else on the Clippers is able to do what he does. So you mentioned that, hey, someone may mention, hey, you need to trade him to get somebody else, get that back up big or something. No, I don't think there are many trades you can make now to this roster. It has to be very much around the edges because it seems like everybody does have that role to click and the chemistry is there and it'll take so long to rebuild the chemistry if you bring in someone that's a big piece. So with Norm, his role just seems so important right now that I don't think you can take him out of that, which is something the Clippers, I'm sure, know and I'm sure they're going to continue to evaluate how he fits in and how he probably cannot be on the trade block, despite people saying he might be. He can't. And there's a couple of things to unpack there because I think I've been saying, and I believe you've agreed with me for a while that I just don't see a pathway to trading norm, how important he is to this team, be it off the bench. If he needs to get inserted into the starting lineup, if, if, if injuries happen, but norm is a key cog in what the Clippers are doing. And especially off the bench, you see the way he, he comes in and he's instant offense. He can also handle the ball. He can move without the ball. Um, he's not a sieve on defense. He's not the greatest defensive player in the world, but at least he's active. But you mentioned, so people say, okay, well, should they bring up bring in a backup big? But sometimes we forget we still have Plumlee waiting in the wings, right? Mm-hmm. So when Plumlee gets healthy and Tice is in the mix and he's playing 15, 16 minutes a game to back up Zoo, who, and we'll talk about in a moment, Zoo is playing absolutely phenomenally. But I just kind of wonder what happens when Plumlee comes back then. That's just another piece to this rotation and a good one at that. Just how, like, 
does Kobe Brown end up losing all of his, be it not so many minutes? I mean, does he split minutes with Tice? Does Zoo do Zoo's minutes uh, get pulled back a little bit? It's going to be interesting to see. And if there are any trade chips, then does Plumlee all of a sudden become something, or do we want to hold on to these three bigs in Tice, Zubot? Well, of course, we're going to hold on to Zoo, but Tice and Plumlee backing him up. So it's just something to think about because. You know, we need to. Uh, people may say the Clippers need to bring somebody in. Well, somebody's going to come back in once he gets healthy. Yeah, and y- y- the thing is that you now have that, like you mentioned, the Kobe Brown spot where Kobe Brown and Amir Coffey they seem to be kind of interchangeable. Where one of those guys is going to be get minutes, the other one's not. And it was Amir Coffey that got the minutes last night, and then Kobe Brown came off the bench when garbage time, and he hit a couple of threes. And that's the one thing with Kobe Brown that we haven't seen consistently is him making that three ball. And we talked about it with Amir Coffey, him not being afraid to shoot and him doing a pretty good job against the Warriors. I mean, not efficiently, but he took 11 threes and made four of them. Kobe Brown's going to get those shots and Kobe Brown needs to hit them. And so you talk about the team's depth and right now it seems like they've got depth at certain spots. Like, listen, if Russell Westbrook were to go down, you'd lose a lot of energy off the bench. But I think Bones Highland could certainly provide some of that. And if Amir Coffey and... I mean, if Mir Coffey stays in this rotation and he gets hurt, for example, Kobe Brown is right there. If Plumlee comes back, then all of a sudden Tice is right there if something were to happen to him. All of a sudden, the Clippers seem to have a backup for their guys that are not the main dudes in terms of PG, Kawhi, and Harden. I mean, I think, I think right now, obviously, you need all three of those guys to stay healthy and to win a title. I, I truly believe that if one of those guys gets hurt, then it doesn't matter anymore. Like, you're, you're not going to win a title with just two of those guys healthy. And so with PG out, sure, you can throw Amir Coffey in there for one game as a starter and keep Kobe Brown coming off the bench. Like, that's going to need to happen throughout this season. You're going to need to have a guy like Russell Westbrook come in and start if Harden has to miss a game. Like, the Clippers have that ability to bring guys in and out of this lineup. And so with Norm Powell, though, I don't think there is a guy that you can bring in if he were to miss a game. I don't know if you can bring in a guy like Bones Highland that can replace what he does as efficiently as he does scoring the basketball and being as good as he is from three-point range. So that's one guy on the bench right now that I don't think is replaceable, which is interesting to see and interesting to say out loud because I'm not sure I would have thought that before the season, but that's where we are right now. I totally agree. Yeah, he's he seems to be irreplaceable, but we were we were talking about it before and I'll throw it back to you. How about the and we'll mention we'll mention Simmons again. How about the 29th best center in the NBA so far in yeah, Zoom? Yeah, that's just moronic. Straight up moronic to say the Clippers have the worst centers in the league. Like Clearly, you just have no idea what you're talking about, and it's it's weird because he's got season tickets. And it's so a he, bit. It's at, at this point, it's a bit. You know, it's just yeah. like uh, I, I I think I said something on on Twitter about it. He's re- there's there's repetition in in podcasts that some people realize will will just help push the podcast forward. And it, it, it's a bit at this point, I believe. And I, people are actively rooting against the Clippers. They think it's funny when the Clippers get hurt, and it's oh here we go. It's very much like the Chargers in the NFL where the Chargers continually have bad things happen to them, and people think it's funny. Like, But if the Clippers were to have bad things happen to them, it's, all right, here they're clippering. It's typical Clippers, Samuel Chargers, typical Chargers. But listen, if the Clippers are doing well, like it's you're allowed to speak highly of them and give them praise. Like We've been through enough as Clipper fans that we want to enjoy these moments because we don't know how long it's going to last. Like, listen... 
Is there a chance Kawhi Leonard plays 82 games this season? Hell yeah, there's a chance. Would that be unbelievable? Hell yeah. Would he get first-team NBA if he did? Absolutely. Like, you would have to give it to him, playing 82 games, and if he's able to play at this level, he is a top-five guy in the NBA. So it's it's there, and there's no reason to just crush the Clippers right now because they've won seven in a row, and they look like one of the best basketball teams in the NBA right now. They've beaten Denver, beaten Golden State, beaten the Knicks, beaten some really good teams. And listen, we'll talk about the road trip in a second. Like, that'll tell us a little bit more. Like, we can come on this podcast midweek and say, oh, well, it turns out the Clippers are better at home. There's still some things that need to be ironed out. Like, you're not going to win every single game, so you're going to lose some games. But from what we have seen over these last seven games, and in particular this homestand um, from these four games this past week, it shows us that this team can win a title. And you need to speak highly of them when they're playing well. And I think that we're doing a good job of that. I think so as well. And yeah, it of course, it's just it's it's low hanging fruit to make fun of the Clippers, especially when, when they're doing poorly. And if they're doing well, it's low hanging fruit to sort of roll your eyes and say, oh, OK, yeah, we've seen it before. But can we but this, but that and the other. So I'm happy that we're here and, and others to give the Clippers praise um, and coming back to Zoo. Uh, it just, you know, he struggled mightily at first when Harden came over. They just, they weren't on the same page. He looked a bit lost, but their chemistry is really starting to show. He's really learned how to play with Harden, how to play with the entire offense when it includes Harden. And it's just been great to see him start to thrive and become that zoo. You know, uh, last night against against the Knicks, like I said, he's a he's the highest plus minus on the team at plus twenty nine. He has thirteen points, two blocks, eleven boards, five of nine from from the field, three of four from the line, which is important because he struggled a bit from the line this season. It is awesome to see their pick and roll chemistry working, but just him le- learning this offense with Harden and getting back to that incredibly important center that we've always said that he is. Yeah, and he's always had that ceiling i mean we we knew what he could provide and he's doing a great job this season now of fitting in with this team he's great defensively great offensively and so it's just one of those things where zoo's just consistent and with him establishing this chemistry with james harden and having that pick and roll and him being a beast on the glass both offensively and defensively and being that dude that can go up against Nikola Jokic and slow him down I mean, he just is another piece that fits well with this puzzle. Like right now, the way this team constructed is outstanding. And so we'll see if that continues going forward and if everyone can stay healthy, God willing. I mean, this team, again, will not go anywhere if everyone can't stay healthy. But if you can stay healthy, then all of a sudden you're in good shape. And by the way, I mentioned it on Thursday. When you have Paul George sitting, it's another reason why you brought in James Harden, because he raises your regular floor or rather your regular season ceiling from what it would be at the floor to very high up because puts him with Kawhi Leonard. And if you have two of three guys available in a regular season evening against certain teams like the Warriors, for example, that were without Draymond Green, all of a sudden you have a chance to be a team that wins a lot of games, even if you have a star missing occasionally. So that's why you make that trade. And I think James Harden showed that we talked about his numbers in that game. But that is why you make that trade, Matt. And you and I have talked about it at nauseum this season that if you can have three stars and if one guy has to sit, having two of three is still pretty damn good and you'll take that. Pretty damn good. And Harden has proved that 
can he can be that guy if one of the other two are out. And just real quick on Zoo, doesn't he look, and you were talking about his rebounding prowess, sometimes he just looks huge on these rebounds. I mean, it's full extension of the arms. He is head and shoulders above people going for these rebounds, be it defensively or offensively. He has been a beast. I mean, he had four O-boards uh, last night against the Knicks, and I know there was no Mitch Rob, but Mitchell Robinson, but he is looking like a man possessed on, on some of these rebounds. I mean, just full extension, the you know, the, it, it could be a 20 foot rim and he would get these rebounds easily. Yeah. He, he's just a beast and he knows his, his presence. He knows his size and he is just doing a great job. So we'll see if this can continue. And it's, it's tough because going forward, this is really where we're going to find out about this Clippers team, Matt, we are going to find out what this team is capable of. They go up against Tyrese Halliburton. If he is healthy, which I assume he'll probably play on Monday. That's tomorrow at Indiana. Wednesday at Dallas. It's a back-to-back on Thursday against OKC. So I don't love that. And the second game of back-to-back is at OKC. If you look at a schedule loss, that's Thursday because it's a back-to-back game against a really good team. And you look again at the Knicks last night. The Knicks were on a back-to-back after facing Phoenix on Friday. So that is a game you should win if you're the Clippers. You had that day of rest advantage on the Knicks, and the Clippers took advantage. They were at home. So we'll see if they can take two of three. I think two of three on this road trip would be where you want to be. And then you've got a really tough game against Boston on Saturday. So four tough games this week. I think at minimum you'd like to go two and two. But if you can go three and one, all of a sudden, you're going to get some eyeballs at you. I think all of a sudden. I think this week will certainly tell us a lot. And whenever you have a standalone game, Matt, that's when people pay attention to you. And that Boston versus LA game on Saturday, I think all of a sudden... That is a game where all of a sudden the eyes might go on the Clippers because that's a game that is at 12.30 in the afternoon. It's basically by itself. It is by itself, actually. Nobody else plays um, at that time. So we'll see what happens when people are talking about the Clippers and what they have to say. But this road trip is uh, very concerning in terms of the teams they got to play. But if you can take two of three against these three, I think that's certainly a win. Do you agree? I completely agree. And I, I may have said that Boston game was on the road. I, what I meant to say is it's in the afternoon. The Thunder the Thunder game off the back-to-back is certainly the most concerning of this three-game road trip because, yes, it's it's Halliburton and Miles Turner and the guys tomorrow. And then it's Dallas, which, you know, Dallas killed us one game. We took care of business the next game. And then it's the Thunder who, coming off a of back-to-back, that's a, that's a young athletic team who can get up and down the court like no other. And I believe they don't have a game. They, they played the Grizzlies tomorrow, and then the Thunder don't play until they play the Clippers. So they'll, they'll have some rest in their pocket as well. So that one's going to be really tough. But the Clippers pull out two or three and just in great standing. The Clippers win all three. And then, you're right, the national spotlight on that Boston game, I don't see how anybody can avoid it. But you got to start off with the first game, obviously against against the Pacers and that will be no easy task but the Clippers the way that they're playing both offensively and especially defensively I'll be curious to see the defensive assignments I know we always talk about this but I I, I would have to imagine T-Man is going to start on Halliburton um, you can probably put Harden on like healed I'm not I'm not exactly sure who uh, who the Pacers are starting these days? Uh, forgive me. Yeah, it's but if it is, but if it is Buddy Hield, I would say he, maybe maybe throw Harden on him, and then you know, 
kind of work the guys around the edges. Um, Miles Turner is, I, I don't want, I, I want him to on one hand. I'm just going to think Clippers here. I'm not even going to think fantasy. He he can get in foul trouble pretty easily. So, you know, if if, if Zoo can work that, there, there are ways that the Clippers um, along the edges can win this game and they can just win it out of pure talent and the way they're playing as well. Yeah, and by the way, Indiana usually goes to the starting lineup of Halliburton, Bruce Brown, Heald, Toppin, and Turner. And I'm glad you brought up Turner because we've seen the Clippers struggle at times when they've got a big that can shoot the three. And Miles Turner can do that. So Zoo's going to have to come out. And all of a sudden, if Zoo gets brought out to the perimeter, then that leaves you very vulnerable in the paint. And Halliburton can attack the glass with the best of them. And so you have Halliburton along with guys like OB Toppin and you have the defense collapse on them in the paint when they attack, that leaves the shooters like Buddy Heald open. So this is going to be a really tough game for the Clippers. And I, I think they have the ability to struggle in a game like the Pacers game because of how they just fit offensively, Indiana does. But that being said, Indiana is terrible defensively. And so the Clippers offense should be able to get whatever they want against Indiana. So that will be a really fun matchup. No doubt about that. And you brought up a really interesting point when it comes to the Thunder, because you're right. The Thunder don't play again after Monday until Thursday. So the Clippers are on a back-to-back while the Thunder have a couple days off. So if the Clippers somehow win that game, it would be basically miraculous. So you want to win the game against the Pacers. You want to win a game against the Mavs and then play with house money in that game on Thursday before that Boston game on Saturday. Because, listen, it's a back-to-back on Wednesday, Thursday, but then you don't have much rest. You have that Friday game, and then all of a sudden you play an afternoon game on Saturday. So you don't have that much rest going into that um, mid-afternoon game against the Celtics. So it's a tough week this week, and I don't want to jump to any conclusions after this week because I don't think that's fair in terms of the way the schedule has been put together. Um, so I, I'll take two wins this week, and if you can win three, that would tell me a lot about this team and how they are instantly ready to become a team that is going to be reckoned with in the postseason. So a good week ahead. I'm excited to find out more about this team. Yeah, I mean, great great points. I, I cannot wait to watch all three of these games. They all, all the teams pose really, really different kind of threats, but also – also similar in some in some respects with a dynamic point guard uh, with just a lot of athleticism uh, throughout the team. And I don't think about that with the Mavericks necessarily, but they do have lively down low and some guys that can run around. So it is going to be quite the interesting week. Yeah, you're right. I'll I'll take two, but shoot, give me three and I'll, I'll be over the moon. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know when we're going to record a podcast again. It's very possible we don't record again um, until Sunday, um, but we'll see. Just the way the schedule kind of goes, it's we got a game on Monday, um, and I don't know if it's worth it to come back on after one game against the Pacers when really I think the back-to-back on Wednesday and Thursday against Dallas and OKC will tell us more. Um, so maybe we can crank out a Friday podcast. We'll see what we're able to do, but... We mentioned in the beginning, if you're able to give us that five-star rating, review the podcast as well. We will read the review at some point on this podcast, especially if it's very nice of you. Um, if you drop mean reviews, probably not going to read it. That was just a way that we could start the podcast. So, Matt, Matt Warren on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Matt, Matt Warren. I am at BD Marcus. Of course, Ethos Clippers podcast is on there as well. Ethos Fantasy is your place to succeed in fantasy hoops. For Matt, I am Brandon. Until next time, go Clips. Go Clips.